0: here um little bright orange bibles that wilson so generously placed right there or you can grab a bible on your phone i call them fake bibles but you can grab one on your phone yeah there you go (laughs) man i'm so excited to be going through god's word with all of you it's going to be fun it's going to be exciting it's going to be spectacular we are going to be finishing the beatitudes tonight So we're going to be finishing that up in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to start at verse 1, and we're going to read them all the way through. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. In our study tonight, verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is God's word. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Oh, Lord, we love you. We adore you. God, thank you that you're not a God that has made himself hidden. Lord. You're not a God that hides himself from his creation. You're not a God that separates himself from his creation. God, you are a God that actively engages in our lives. You're a God that wants a relationship with us. You're a God that wants to love us and wants us to love you. God, I I, I pray that you would reveal yourself tonight through your word, God, and that any words that are spoken of me would be forgotten, but every word that is spoken of you, Lord, would be remembered. And your children pray this in Jesus's mighty name. Amen. So we're going through the life and ministry of Jesus Christ in chronological order. We're, we're just going step by step through the life of Jesus. We're, we're finding out... About Christ and his life and in the organization that has happened through that and and all the amazing things that Christ has done thus far and we're at this point in his ministry where where there's thousands of people flocking to hear him but he speaks to his disciples here he speaks to those who know him he speaks to the Christians here and he says blessed are the poor in spirit blessed are those who mourn blessed are the meek blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness etc he's describing what a Christian ought to look like he's describing what Christ Christ has made Christians to be. And if we've learned anything through the study of the Beatitudes, it's not the fact that that we do these things in approval towards God. It's not this working towards holiness. Rather, it's God making us holy through the cross of Jesus Christ, and we therefore act as such. You see, the Beatitudes, they're descriptive before they're prescriptive i've said that every single week thus far they're describing the christian before they're telling the christian what to do and we see that it's not exclusively for christians that those who know jesus and those who don't know jesus can find the gospel in all of this and find value in this we see here blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of god and this is odd because What's what won't be naturally spoken in our society or even on the pulpit what preachers won't usually um, Get into is the fact that peace is a huge problem Peace is a very big problem And, and some of you are going through your minds like how, how can how on earth like can peace be a problem by definition it's a problem globally, socially, relationally, and personally. Peace is a huge problem because it is something we all genuinely desire, unless you're a sociopath, in which we're praying for you. It's something that we all generally desire, but we all have different views on how to attain it. Okay, so so peace is something that we all want. We all really desire. Every culture, every society, every nation wants peace, but Pakistan's view of peace and our view of peace is different, is it not? Germany's view of peace and Indonesia's view of peace is different, is it not? Russia and Syria, their, their, their views of peace are different, are they not? And so we see that, that peace is a huge problem because by definition, if there's two opposing viewpoints, that creates conflict. Conflict being the antithesis of Peace. So we see that, that peace in and of itself causes conflict. And that's that's so weird to think about philosophically, theologically. It, it, it's weird to grasp this concept that a, a pursuit of peace will naturally produce conflict. A pursuit of peace will naturally produce conflict, and it's a problem because we all desire it. So To know the goal, which is peace. It says, blessed are the peacemakers. What is God's definition of peace? How how does God describe peace? He describes it as uh, many times in the Bible as shalom. (laughs) Many of you have heard shalom, right? It it can be a greeting, and, and it also means peace, Shalom means peace. And and it's defined, and it signifies a state of national or personal harmony between two parties. Okay? National or relational harmony between two parties. Peace. Okay? So, So this can mean between God and man, man and man, church and society, church and state, harmony between two parties. That is shalom. That is the peace that Jesus is speaking about. The peace between two parties, the harmony between two parties. When Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, he's saying, blessed are those who pursue mended relationships between two parties, whether it be God and man or man and man. It can be both. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Peacemaking signifies an action. And many times us as Christians or even if you're not Christian, a lot of the times our definition of peace may to be not to engage in certain activities. Many times uh, our pursuit of peace is actually a lack of pursuit, meaning that we kind of sit back and let society do its thing. And us Christians aren't supposed to engage. We're not supposed to be in the culture. We're not supposed to be entrenched in the politics. We're not supposed to be entrenched in all of these things. We're not supposed to go into the public schools. We're not supposed to do A, B, and C. We're not supposed to engage in society. If we separate ourselves enough, maybe us Christians will have peace. But those aren't the blessed ones. That's blessed are those who avoid conflict, not who pursue peace. Avoiding conflict does not equal peace. Peace is something that we seek. Peace is something that we seek. Uh, peacemakers are those who are looking for healed relationships relationships between people and people god and people society and people etc these are the peacemakers and we as Christians are to see the world around us as one gigantic peace project one gigantic peace project This is how we view our world as, as just this project in which we pursue to mend and build and restore and renew society. This is how we are to view our culture. This is how we are to view our world. But you know, uh, world peace is kind of a big deal. I don't know if any of you want that burden on your shoulders. Many of you, some of you may, and I'll be praying for you, but I know me personally, I don't see world peace as something that I can personally attain myself, okay? But there, there are certain things that we can do. And, and I love this message that God has given me because it's really applicable, actually. I think this is one of the most applicable messages um, in the Beatitudes, peacemaking, pursuing peace. And so we see that that peace is something to be pursued through prayer, greeting, and reconciliation. For those of you who take notes, those are the three items of pursuing peace, prayer, greeting, and reconciliation. And this is in our personal relationships. And you can apply this to every aspect of every relationship that you have prayer greeting and reconciliation we see early on i mean later on in matthew chapter 5 verse 44 jesus says this he says but i say to you love your enemies bless those who curse you do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you that's weird you see jesus is basically saying hey i uh, love those who hate you and will probably never love you and and, and this is this totally it, it's it goes against our nature. It goes against our nature to love those who will never reciprocate. It's just this odd thing that happens in the heart when we are forced to love those who are unlovable. And this is something that I have to struggle with every single day. You know, we're always, you know, constantly communicating via text, email, or instant message, right? You know, in our culture, we're always texting. We're always instant messaging. We're always emailing, right? You know, this is a constant thing in our society. We're always texting and doing all of that. And have you ever been in a heated text argument? Can I get an amen? I mean, have you ever been in a heated text argument? Now, has anyone had a text argument that ended pretty well (laughs) none of you i haven't like it it just text arguments email arguments they're they're just mess. they're filthy things aren't they they're just they're just dirty right because you you lose so much nonverbal communication there that that every single word you speak is like misinterpreted right and it's just something that and you ever have For those of you who have iPhones, have you ever had, like, you're in a really heated conversation and you see those little dots at the bottom? Have you ever seen those? Those little dots that signify that somebody is typing? And uh, there's been times where I've been in a heated text argument, and I see these little dots, and they're going for, like, ten minutes. I'm like, oh, this person's (laughs) getting ready, man. Soaring up some wrath. Oh, my God. And, you know, I'm just anticipating. it. just those three dots wiggling at the bottom of my screen. I'm like, I'm going to get it bad. And it's like I, I I don't know how to pursue peace sometimes in those situations. Um, you guys know John Newton? He wrote "Amazing Grace." Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to sing for you. <laughs> Save the rich like me? No. Oh my gosh, I'm really bad at singing. Oh, dear Jesus, help me. But he 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 was he's most famous for. Uh, writing Amazing Grace. But uh, what many people don't know about him is that he was a slave trader. He traded slaves. The man who wrote Amazing Grace, this this not only biblical but patriotic song that we have now, it w- was written by someone who traded slaves. He sold slaves for a living. And John Newton, when he came to Christ, he came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And he's like, man, I need to get my head on straight. He wrote that song just signifying the thing that had happened inside of him. Amazing. How sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me, a dirty wretch like me. John Newton is not only famous for his songs and his hymns that he wrote, but he's also famous for certain letters that he wrote as well. And he wrote a letter on conflict. And I'll read a brief excerpt. It says, as to your opponent... I wish that before you set pen to paper or thumbs to screen, whatever you want, against him, and during the whole time you are preparing your answer, you may commend him by earnest prayer to the Lord's teaching and blessing. This practice will have a direct tendency to conciliate your heart to love and pity him, and such a disposition will have a good influence upon every page you write or every text you write. The first. Pur- the first item in pursuing peace is prayer. Is prayer. It is very, very, very hard to hate somebody you're praying for. If you don't believe me, try it. It's very hard. It's very hard to hate someone you pray for because prayer is aligning your heart with God's heart. That is what prayer is. A lot of us think that prayer is, is making a wish list for God. No, 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 no. It's a conversation with God in which you are aligning your heart with His. When there's something beautiful that happens with good dialogue where your hearts start to get knitted with one another. When I have good conversations with my friends or with my parents or with my siblings, what happens is there's a knitting of hearts that happens there. My heart becomes their heart. There's a beautiful thing that happens in words there. And God uses those words via prayer to align our hearts with his. To align our hearts with His, and so it's extremely hard as you're texting, as you're emailing, as you're having a conversation, and s- with someone that you are in utter conflict with, someone that seems unlovable, somebody that seems undesirable. When you are engaging in conflict with that person, the first step towards peacemaking is praying for them. Because it, it'll start out like this: It'll we start, like God just kill them. <laughs> no, no, don't, don't kill them. Bless them. Bless them. Lord. Bless them. Bless them. God. Eventually you'll, you'll, you'll find your heart start to turn towards the things of God, because Jesus goes on to say that you may be sons of your father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. The first point in pursuing peace is prayer. The second one is greeting. And what I mean by greeting is engaging in hospitality. The, the second point of peacemaking is engaging in hospitality, going out of your way to make somebody feel acknowledged, going out of your way to make somebody feel like they're the most important person in the room. Never underestimate the power of going out of your way to make somebody feel special to pursue peace is to look at the person that may seem undesirable to look at the person that may seem like they're in sin to make to look at the person through the lens of Christ, not through the lens of what they're doing, but pursue peace in a way where you say you have my undivided attention It is you and me right now. What can I do for you? How can I pray for you? How can I help you? How is your day? How is your family doing? Greeting, showing concern for somebody's life. Never underestimate the power of that. The magnitude of somebody feeling special in your presence. That's something that God's always been trying. He's he's trying to tug that on my heart. He's trying to latch it onto my heart where I'm having conversations with people. And he's saying, don't let your mind stray, Zach. They're the most important person to you right now. And that's something that I need to work on. But that is pursuing peace. And, And do you know what? It should grieve us when people don't feel welcome around us. That should really, really hurt our hearts. It should grieve us when somebody, no matter what background they're from, no matter what they've done to you in the past, no matter what history you have with this person, it should grieve you. It should grieve me if somebody's speaking to me or somebody knows me and they don't feel special around me. They don't feel important. Going out of your way, spending time, taking time in your day to spend time and help and engage and hang out with people. That's the heart of God, right there. That's the heart of God. And it doesn't mean that we condone their sin or ignore their sin. It doesn't mean that we ignore the vices that keep them down sometimes. It doesn't mean that we ignore the bad things that they do towards us. It doesn't mean that we ignore and just let that pass by when people have definitely hurt us. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that as the sun rises on the evil and the good, as God desires all people, so shall I greeting and pursuing peace is saying to you, God wants you. So do I, no matter what you've done guys, I want to let you know God wants you. There's nothing that you can do that can, that can make God want you less. God wants you. He really desires you. And so since prayer is aligning our hearts with God and then greeting is us going forth and saying, I want you just as bad as God does. I want a relationship with you. I want you to have a relationship with God. That's pursuing peace. And just, just letting you guys know, um, we have invite cards in the back. I've, i put them out in the back. This is a wonderful way to let people know that you care. God has really been tugging on my heart lately for the broken and, and, and the homeless. Uh, I, just this past week, I have had three encounters with homeless people and which I've gotten to pray for them, or I've gotten to minister in, to them in some sort of way. The first one was Jane. I, I, I go to the seven 11 almost every day on my home, um, on my way home from work on my way to work. I, I I pass by, uh, you know. I'm getting my gas, and I look at this homeless man. He's sitting, he's all alone, and he's chilling there. He's hungry, and and many times before I just pass right by him. But but uh, this week I was studying on peacemaking, and and how the heart of God is to pursue those that are maybe undesirable. And and I look at him, and I just say, I go up to him, and I say, "Dude, what's your name?" And his name was James great guy. He told me his entire story, how he was in a coma for two and a half years and he got out. His wife had left him. His kids had left him. He had nothing. He, his job was gone. And you know, he's still crippled from the surgery that he had. He has medical bills that he has to pay. And I said, bro, can I pray for you? And he says, yeah, of course you can pray for me. And I, I gave him this card. I pray that he comes. I got to pray for him. And do you know what? I, I, I got to say, what can I get for you? He said, Can I have dinner? I said, Of course you can have dinner. The 7-Eleven, it costs a dollar for a cup of noodles and a 50 cents for a banana, an entire meal for him. A dollar fifty. That's peacemaking, guys. That's peacemaking. It's going out of your way and out of your comfort zone and out of your schedule to minister to people. The third one is reconciling, and this is a hard one. This is a very hard one. Reconciling. We don't only pursue new relationships with people, but we also seek to mend broken ones, okay? So we don't only seek to uh, pursue the strangers and those that we don't know, but we also seek to pursue relationships that we have might fracture Okay. I love in Matthew chapter five, verse 24. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. What Jesus is saying here, no matter what you're doing, even if you're making a sacrifice to God, even if you're here at church, if you remember if you remember that, that one of your brothers or sisters or, or, or one of your friends, if they have a problem and if, if there there is an issue between the two of you, drop everything you're doing and go and pursue reconciliation. Go and pursue mended relationships. And a lot of the times we're like, well, if you're anything like me, you're just chilling and you're like, well, if they want reconciliation, they can come and get it. <laughs> All right? If if they want a mended relationship, we can mend it, but they have to come to me. Okay. We're doing this in my house by my rules, right? That's a, that's a lot of the times where the way we, we view reconciliation, the way we view mended relationships, well, if they really wanted to mend relationships, they, they would come to me and ask for it. But they're saying the same thing. We never want to be the one, we, we always want to be the one to extend the olive branch. Because a lot of the times we want to win more than we want to mend. You guys notice that a lot of times we want to win a conversation or win an argument rather than mend a relationship. Okay, this happens in arguments on every single relational level, whether it be siblings, whether it be friends, whether it be spouses, whether it be coworkers, every argument that we're in, we tend to want to win the conversation, win the argument rather than mend the relationship that is starting to be fractured. Peacemaking is bridge building. That's what it is. Peacemaking is bridge building. This means that that we are the ones that initiate forgiveness. We're the ones who say, let's talk. We're the ones that go and we're the ones that pursue. We're the ones who pursue peace. We're the peacemakers. Okay. We're the ones that say, do you know what? I was wrong. I'm sorry. That's us. And some of you are like, yeah, well, they should be the peacemaker. (laughs) No, you're the peacemaker. There's an argument. You're the one. You're the one to pursue a mended relationship. Don't strive to win an argument. Seek to mend and fix and reconcile the relationship. There was no fruit in trying to win. And it says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Our evidence, uh, God, uh, our conduct is uh, evidence of God. Our conduct is evidence of God. You see, when we engage in peacemaking, we will be associated with our Heavenly Father. Does that make sense? When, When we engage in this peace project, when we engage in peacemaking and seeking to mend relationships, we are emulating the heart of Jesus Christ. Hey, you know, there's many times where I'll be speaking to somebody. A lot of times when I'm speaking to my mom, she'll say, you sound just like your dad right now. This is so weird. You just sound like your father right now. This is like I'm, I'm talking to him right now. And, and, and for me, like a lot of people are like, man, you sound just like your dad. Sometimes I'll answer the phone and I'll be like, is this Brett or is this Zach? And I'll be like, this is Zach. Sometimes I'll be like, this is Brett. <laughs> but, but to me, that's an amazing compliment because I admire my father. And so it should be the same way that our conduct should reflect that of Jesus. Our conduct should reflect that of our heavenly father. Our conduct should reflect Christ. And the best way to be a peacemaker is to reflect Christ. The best way to be a peacemaker is to lead others to the prince of peace, Jesus this is the best way to be a peacemaker. In John 1:10 through 12, he says, "He came into a very into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave them the right to become children of God." He says, "For they shall be called sons of God." This, ladies, okay, it doesn't mean that you're excluded from anything son signifies inheritance because back in the culture then it was the sons that received the inheritance so you ladies too are sons of god in that sense where you inherit god's kingdom you inherit the things of god you inherit the blessings okay there's a lot of gender gender neutral translations that will will say sons and daughters but that doesn't have as much awesome weight to it okay when they try to be gender gender neutral like that son signifies inheritance Okay, just a little side note for you ladies. When you're reading the Bible, we're like, oh, only for men. I don't have to read it. (laughs) Peacemaking does not mean we tolerate everything. Sometimes it means standing for the truth, right? Uh, Because we know that it's only Jesus that can bring peace. But what happens naturally when people reject peace? Conflict, right? I mean, the rejection of peace naturally breeds conflict. This is simple. Okay, absence of peace conflict rejecting peace conflict and, and but we never see conflict as Christians A lot of the times we Christians we love to see conflict. We love to go and seek conflict We love to get our picket signs ready and go and storm We love to do that But we are never to pursue Conflict Do we stand up for what's right. Absolutely. Are we the antagonists in society? Absolutely not We never pursue conflict. Proof of that. Romans 12 verses 14 through 19. Blessed are those who persecute you. Uh, Blessed are those those who persecute you. Not blessed. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Verse 17 and 18 are gnarly. Repay no evil for evil. Regard. For good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, listen to this. Verse 18 of Romans chapter 12. This is huge. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. This is a sign that us as Christians, we never seek out conflict. Do we stand for the truth? Absolutely. Do we seek conflict? No. Will it come to us? Absolutely. Absolutely. As much as depends on you, make peace with all men. You see, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What happens when people reject peace? Naturally, there's conflict. You see, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for they so they persecuted the prophets who were before you i'll close with this there's two things that need to happen in order to pursue peace there's two things that need to happen you're going to face opposition There's going to be definite opposition. Naturally, those who pursue peace are going to receive conflict because there's always going to be people that reject peace. But it shouldn't come as a surprise to us that if we act like Jesus, we're going to be treated like Jesus as well, right? That shouldn't surprise us. If we act like Jesus, we should expect to be treated like Jesus. That means that people will love us just as many people love Jesus. And that also means that people will hate us because many people hated Jesus. People will love us and people will hate us. And and it says, blessed are those we're persecuted for righteousness sake, not self-righteousness sake. So if you're trying to talk to somebody who doesn't believe in God for the sake of winning a conversation, for the sake of proving your point, that's for self-righteousness sake. That's not for righteousness sake. You're not seeking to mend any relationship. You're seeking to be right. That's why a lot of the time, you know, there, there's a lot of apologetics people that, that are totally, have, have it, the gospel totally distorted. Because they're seeking to win an argument against atheism, not reconcile people to Jesus. We pursue peace, not conflict. We should be persecuted for righteousness sake, not self-righteousness sake and not annoyances sake. We should not be facing persecution because we're annoying to other people. Okay, a lot of the people, well, Jesus faced persecution, so shall I. That's not an excuse for being annoying towards people. Okay, that's not an excuse for being a butthead. Okay, (laughs) I'm just going to say it. It's not like, because like some people did (laughs) buttheads. It's not an excuse. We pursue peace, not conflict. So the first one, expect to have opposition. Second one, expect to make sacrifices. Seek peace means to overcome your inward desire for revenge. This means that we need to, when we have conversations with people, we need to say what we should say, not what we feel like saying. And this is one thing about being a communication major at a liberal school where people are like, do you know what? I'm just going to say whatever I want to say. And if they don't, if they don't mind, like they, they can just, you know, everybody else can just, you know, bad word, you know, it's like, as I, I'll say what I want to say. It doesn't matter what anybody feels. I'm going to speak my opinion. I'm going to tell everybody how I feel. And whatever happens, happens. That's not a Christian. We don't spew out words, whatever we feel like saying. We say what we ought to say to lead people to Jesus. We don't say whatever comes into our heads. We say what we need to say and what we should say and what we ought to say. We control our tongues. Something I need work on. I'm a preacher. I love talking, right? I love talking. But I need to say what I ought to say, not what I feel like saying. We need to sacrifice our comfort in order to uh, to attain peace. Jesus made a sacrifice for peace, right? Think about it. I mean, he desired to mend your relationship with God. All of you. Every single person in this room. We have, we have a relationship with God that has been shattered because of the sins we have committed. Sin is just missing the mark. We have missed the mark of God's holiness. And we deserve to die because really who deserves, who, what imperfect person deserves to go to perfect heaven? And Jesus, uh, seeing that. Made an ultimate sacrifice so we can have peace, mended relationship, shalom with God. Meaning that he took on all the sins of humanity. He took on all the sins on his shoulders when he died on the cross. He took it all on, all of it. Every single sin you have committed, past, present, and future, all went on Jesus' shoulder and was crucified on the cross. So that we don't look at others through the lens of their sin anymore. We don't look at others by what they do or what they do not do. God doesn't look at us through the lens of what we do and we do not do. He just sees us through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Plain and simple. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for peace. And I'm going to ask Dane and the worship team to come up. And I'm going I'm to say a uh, couple last verses for you all. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. And then Colossians 1, 19 through 22, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. So here's the whole message of peacemaking. That the God of the universe loved us so much And saw that we weren't at peace with God. He wanted a relationship with us. He wants to be with us. He wants to love us. And to care for us. And and walk through life with us. But he saw that we can't do that on our own. So what he did, he came down as a human. He lived a perfect life. And that way God can sacrifice all of the sins of humanity on his shoulders. And when we have faith and when we believe in Jesus in that way, what happens is... God takes all of our sin off of us, all of the punishment that we should get, and he puts it on Christ. And so when we come before God, God doesn't see us as dirty anymore. He sees us as clean. He sees us as holy because of what Jesus Christ did for us. Jesus pursued peace that way. And so we reflect that as sons of God. We reflect that pursuit of peace, bringing people to Jesus. And so I'm going to ask you guys to pray with me. We're going to bow our heads and we're going to worship. And for some of you that maybe need to mend that relationship with God, all you have to do is pray with me. And then we worship. And then we take communion, signifying the body that was broken. Jesus crucified himself for you. His body was broken, the bread. And then he poured his blood out so that we might be righteous. And I always say this because I love this story that Jesus proposed to us. By his blood He says I'm going to die for you This is my engagement ring to you Will you marry me Will you be in a relationship with me Will you live your life with me Will you be with all of eternity with me Because I love you And so when we take that cup We say I do to Jesus I do want to live with you I do want a relationship with you I do want to mend my relationship with you I do want peace with you So will you all bow your heads with me Will you all bow your heads If there are any of you tonight that desire to be at peace with God, that desire that relationship with God, with all everyone's heads closed, it's just you, me, and Jesus. If you want that tonight, just raise your hand. If you want peace with God tonight, just raise your hand. Amen. I see you guys. I see you guys. Say this prayer with me. Lord, I have sinned. I am imperfect. But Jesus, you are good. Jesus, I recognize that you died on the cross for my sins. Heal me. Clean me. Make my relationship with you right again. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you who gave your life to Christ tonight, take communion, recognizing that Jesus died on the cross for you because he loves you so very much. And then take the blood and and take the juice, which signifies his sacrifice for you, and say, I do. Yes, Lord, I'm saying yes to you. And we worship Jesus tonight as people that are set free from sin. Amen? So we worship unhinged, with our hands lifted high, with our knees bowed to the ground, absolutely loving what Christ has done for us. If you need prayer, I will be over there. Naomi will be over there. For you girls that want to pray, I'll be there to pray for the guys, or if you girls, if you desire. We'll be there for prayer if any of you need, if any of you are suffering. But let's worship God with unhinged hearts tonight. Amen? Amen.
1: Oh God you're near in the quiet oh God you're near In the shadow Oh God you're near And my breaking Oh God you're near Oh God You never leave my side, and your love will stand for her through all my life. Searching, oh God, you're near. In my wandering, oh God, you're near. When I feel alone, oh God, you're near. At my lowest, oh God, you're near. Oh, God, you never leave my side. And your love will stand for through all my life.